We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Field of 68. Field of 68 till I die. You got somebody, hey, Jeff, shut up. Hell no. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out for a second. <laughs> this is Alabama coach Nate Oates. When we're not playing. I watch Field of 68's After Dark Show. This is coach Bruce Pearl. I love the Field of 68 After Dark Show. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark. Now listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. This is Field of 68 After Dark. It's the Field of 68 After Dark. The postseason is well underway. We are just nights away from the Sweet 16 tipping off. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to break down previews for every single game in the Sweet 16. And there's a bunch of coaching moves that have made headlines today that we have to discuss as well. We are presented, as always, by Bet Rivers. And tonight we are presented by Underdog Fantasy. You can get a 100% first deposit match up to $100 with code FIELD. That's F-I-E-L-D with Underdog Fantasy. I'm Greg Waddell. We got Randolph Childress. We got Matt McCall in the house tonight. Gentlemen, it's great to see you as always. RC, how you doing? Good, man. How you been? I've been good. Feeling like it's postseason play. I'm ready to roll. Matt, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, Greg. I just want to know, out of the Sweet 16, how many teams do you have in your bracket? How, how many? Be honest now. Uh, yeah, no, I, got eight, I, got eight, I got eight. I'm eight out of 16. Oh, see, I feel a little better now. I have nine, but oh, I was okay, thinking nine, right. was, nine was rough. RC, you know off the top of the head how many you got? I'm counting them now that you said something. I got one. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. I really cleaned up. I, I'm perfect in the Midwest. I'm three or four in the West. I got what? That's seven. I got Bama, eight. Did not have Creighton. Did not have Princeton. Did not have FAU. Come on, RC. Did no FAU. Woo. I didn't. I had K State. Okay. So I'm nine. Okay. okay. I mean, we're all right in line there. We'll have yeah. to see. Uh, I, I think what matters, what smart people tell me is that it matters if you still have your final four teams. And uh, gentlemen, I lost my national champion on my brackets on night one. We'll get to that later in the show, though. No need to discuss the dirty details of that right now. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84, as we will be for the rest of the show. You can also watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel if you are watching us there. Throw us a subscribe, throw us a like, jump in the comment section. I've got an eye on the comment section already. I see we have 
quite a few people that are interested in uh, some controversy that happened with the Field of 68 network today. More on that later in the show. We will find a moment to talk about the craziness that was Jeff Goodman versus Dave Portnoy today. But first, guys, let's start with some actual head coaching college basketball news. Uh, two different directions we could go. We're going to start with Rick Pitino who has been announced as the new head coach at St. John's, and he is making a splash in the press conferences here as well, talking about his vision to play every single conference game at Madison Square Garden because he's going to build a program that needs a bigger arena. He's got his eyes on the prize here, Matt. What are your first impressions of Rick Pitino's entrance to St. John's? You know, it's like... Everyone was talking about Patino to Georgetown, Patino to St. John's, Patino to other places. Who, Where is he going? Texas Tech, this, that. It's like if he went anywhere else other than St. John's, it's not nearly as entertaining, right? Like the garden's going to be rocking, and it's going to be back. And the fact that he's there and you know they're going to be competitive. And I just loved everything he did in his press conference today, too. Like, he named Joel Seriano captain right when he got up on stage. Because he's trying like, to keep him. Like, that's exactly right. I understand. <laughs> it was a smart move. I know why he did it. I know exactly why he did it. That was the smartest thing he did. <laughs> like, he's our captain. Let's go. Um, man, it's going to be – you know, you look at the coaches now in the Big East, like – you know, and I, we're still waiting to see what happens at Providence. But, like, you're talking about, you know, Sean Miller, Rick Patino, Ed Cooley, Danny Hurley. Like, I mean. Shaka. Shaka. Like, come on. Like, I mean, this league is a gauntlet of coaches and really good coaches. And it just got better. It got better today. And his press conference was unbelievable. Um, and it's going to be entertaining. Like you're going to want to turn on the TV and watch St. John's hoops. And that's no knock on Mike Anderson, have great respect for him, but man, like it's, it is now it's back. I, I mean, it's back. And he, he made a splash in the press conference and he wants all the, he wants all the games in the garden. And why would he not? Every single home game should be in Madison square garden. Like it used to be. It's going to be fun to watch. There's no question about it. You know, we often talk about fits for a job, and that job just fits him. It always has. It's just New York. I mean, he's been there from the Knicks and and, and then Iona, and it just fits. I mean, so you're excited about it. And he got dudes there now. You know, for him to get Seriano to stay, I mean, it's not like he's getting into a job and he's, you know, he's got to like, man, I got to go out and find a bunch of dudes. I mean, the first step for him is just keeping what he has, keeping some of the guys that he has that he can keep, and that's a big piece. RC, how about he even took a shot at Aaron Rodgers? He doesn't know if Aaron Rodgers is yeah, for yeah, New York. not even official yet. New York media, but, he, but you know what? He might know. He, he might know. He's, He's like, like, listen, the New he York tossed that grenade off the coach of the Knicks. Back. Like, I hope Aaron Rodgers is ready to come to New York and deal with the New York media. I thought it was brilliant. Unbelievable. He was he he was right in there keeping some guys. He was also right in there, essentially saying like, hey. Uh, you know, I got the scouting report on some of these guys. Some of these guys aren't the most coachable guys. They're not going to be here. Like he was make no mistake about it. He's got a vision for this team. No, he's already I, known. He he knows who he has. He knows who's out of there. You know, you're going to fit in his way and he's comfortable coaching guys. I mean, of any, any attitudes or anything else, it's going to be a certain style. You fit his style of play. You're going to press, you're going to guard. I mean, 
I thought they made they, they were close to you know making some noise in in the Big East tournament. I thought I thought they gave was that uh, Marquette all they can ha- handle that first game. But man, the, the Garden was it was Johnny's man. They were all for the Johnny's there. It's gonna be unbelievable. And here's the thing be too. Ridiculous. And he knows. I mean, Soriano's a, a high character player. He's a high character kid. What he did, even going back to Fordham. I mean, I coached against him a bunch of times when he was there. He knows that's a guy that's a culture guy that he wants to keep in that program. He's not worried about many other guys. He's like, hey, this is the guy that we need to keep here, and they're going to get players. I mean, he's going to get players. I mean, he's just, yeah. there's no question about that. And he knows, hey, this is a guy that we want to keep because he's, you know, he's right for what we're trying to do. And so, I mean, Soriano naming him a captain that was the right move because he wants to keep him. But he's also a high, high character kid. I mean, there's not not a kid. He's a grown man now, but um it's man it's it's uh it's gonna be fun so we're obviously buying what rick patino is selling just from a i guess a confidence standpoint a rick patino standpoint right none of us are doubting his abilities as a coach here's my question to you guys quickly before we move to ed cooley jeff goodman came on here and said doesn't matter who's on this team st john's is in my preseason top 25 do you think the turnaround or the restoration of St. John's is going to happen that quickly for Rick Patino, or do you think it's going to take a little longer, RC? I, I don't know if I'm going to say preseason, but again, we don't know who he's going to get. Guys are going to go play for him. I, I think the biggest reason why we talk about fit, people are going to want to invest money into the program. So NILs, and people can talk all they want about the facilities now. The one reason you can get by facilities until your facilities come is put money in those kids' pockets. And Rick Pitino is going to be able to do that. You come here, he's going to be able to make phone calls and draw interest in that program that's going to get guys money to say, I'm going to go play for New York. And there's a lot of ball players out there. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, like Marquise Noel, Tomlin. I looked at the at the, at the entire, and I'm just using this as an example, yeah. three starter or significant players for Kansas State or New Yorkers. You'd be surprised at how many players from New York go everywhere else to go play. There's a lot of ball players out of New York, and I think if he can get his fair share of them just to stay and play for St. John, then look out. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get Marquise Noel versus Tyson Walker at the Garden in uh, the Sweet 16 here. Come Two on, New man. York guys. There's no shortage of guys Rick Patino can pull from. All right, let's move. Don't, to don't, don't, don't sleep on Nick Boyd. Nick Boyd's from New York too now. Max. Absolutely. It's from New York, FAU. You know, I, I, Andy Katz, he, he had FAU as the 16th team in the Sweet 16. And I I could not disagree with Andy Katz more on that take. So maybe we get into that a little more a little later. <laughs> we can we can do hot seat Andy Katz, McCall, anytime you want. Listen, I'm a Big Ten guy. I see the Andy Katz rankings every single week, and I have some questions. So I'm right here with you if you're ready for that. Uh, like I said, maybe we'll tease that. Maybe we'll just do a whole segment of the show later on controversy. Well, who who knows? We'll, well see we if got we get some to stuff. It. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got some stuff to we get to. Uh, spe- hey, how about that for a segue? The most controversial coaching hire that happened today, Ed Cooley has taken the Georgetown job. Uh, depending on who you ask, a lot of people were either hugely surprised or not surprised at all. I think some people were put off by the way that this happened more so than the fact that it happened. So, McCall, we'll go to you first. Uh, are you surprised both that Ed Cooley is now the head coach at Georgetown, but also by the way this has played out? Uh, I'm not surprised that he's the head coach at Georgetown. I, I feel like Coach Cooley is 
Um, he's entertained jobs since he's been at Providence. I mean, even going back to Michigan when they hired Juwan Howard, I mean, he went down the road with them. Um, he's, according to the rumors, and, and he's never said this to me, and I have great respect for him. He was great to me while I was in New England. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he never said this, but he's always kind of had a, an eye for that job. He's always had great respect for, you know, John Thompson and what happened there and the history of the program and everything like that. And, and DC and everything that comes with that. So I'm not surprised at all. It just became such a distraction going into the NCAA tournament. And his kids can say, his players can say at Providence, it's not a distraction. We're focused on the game. No, everyone knew and everyone was listening and could see what was going on. So am I surprised he took the job? Absolutely not. I'm not. Um, it's a job that he's wanted from what every, everyone says, and he's wanted it for a while. And, um, you know, 12 years at one school and what he did at Providence. And I know Providence fans are not happy at all. They're upset. Um but man, he he revitalized that program and he got excitement back there and played there one time um, uh, when I was at UMass and that place was absolutely rocking. We won the game. I'm going to throw that out there. We won the game. We yeah, beat him. baby. My man, my man Luan Pipkins uh, put on a show. Carl Pierre was outstanding in the game. But, um, it, it, you know, he revitalized the program and he was there for 12 years. And I think, you know, him leaving – is is different just because he's leaving and he's going in league. It's not like, you know, Jay Wright's retiring or one of these guys. It's like he's leaving and he's going in league and everyone's upset. And now Providence is kind of like, all right, who are we turning to for our next guy? And whoever gets the job, whoever takes the job, I mean, that's something different from some of these other guys that have been at these places for long periods of time that either resigned or, uh, retired or went to the NBA, whatever it may be, because these fans are now scarred. But I'm not surprised at all. He he took the job and 12 years, man. He revitalized that program and he got excitement back. And he got and no, they don't call it the dunk anymore, but the dunk was rocking. And that's a tribute to Coach Cooley and what he did. And this is a job. His daughter goes to Georgetown, and now he's the head coach at Georgetown, a job that he's always had his eye on. And you know, like I said, he went down the road with other schools before. So, no, I'm not surprised at all. RC? Uh, I I'm, I was with this with Jeff. You know, he was the first. Jeff asked me this question. I don't know. God knows how long. Maybe even before the season started when we were talking about replacing Pat. He was the first name I mentioned. Now, I, I knew nothing about it. I'm from there. I don't I don't even know if that was really a real, you know, a real option at the time. Um, I I. I you know, people argued it up and down. They thought I was biased because I'm from D.C. And I've said this. I thought it was a better job only because of the talent. Now, there's things that he's going to have to deal with. You know, I think the only negative about the job is is um, playing at the Verizon Center and getting to and from Georgetown and all that. But I think the biggest thing that probably pulled him away was just the, the NIL money, the money that he can give and get the players. And I think it gives him a chance to take that step. And he had been at, he'd been there for, he'd been in Providence for twelve years. I don't know if he felt you know how much farther can I take him? You know, did he question that? Was that enough? Um, you know, those are questions that he'll answer in, at some point in time. But I think he realized that what he can do at Georgetown, you know, with a recruiting base, 
I think he felt as though it was just a better opportunity for him that he can do more, maybe win a national championship. I think that was his thought process where he has a home court advantage, so to speak, in recruiting. And that that matters because this is about dudes. Like all these guys we're talking about, talking about how great they are. They're all great because name me somebody on here that don't have damn good players. You get players, they make you better. Like yep. ain't nobody out here inventing, inventing a will. You know, you just get dudes. So if you can get dudes in there like he can at Georgetown, have a, a sort of a home court, home court advantage as far as recruiting and get George, it'll be quicker to turn Georgetown around. We're talking about St. John. Like we talked about that, Ed Cooley will get Georgetown going quicker. Yep. In the words of the great Jerome Tang, we had more dudes than them. Sometimes that's all that it comes down to in the NCAA tournament and beyond. Uh, and I think no one would argue that Ed Cooley's potential to go get dudes is probably a little bit higher, a little bit easier at Georgetown than it would have been at Providence. And he's been doing it at Providence for the record. I he, mean, better, he, has he better been... have a, he better have a house, house with a pool in DC though. Cause he likes, whenever he gets a dude, he likes to post that Twitter video where he jumps <laughs> in his pool. Well, that's that's where that extra he money made. came from. Cause it's going to cost him. You're right. Just a new locale, a new backdrop for the Ed Cooley backyard pool pictures. We'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, coming up, we're going to take a look back at the first weekend. I'm going to throw some superlatives at you guys. What was your favorite game of the week? The biggest surprise of the week? All of that. We'll take a look back before we look forward. That is next on the Field of 68 After Dark. You're clear. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play college basketball pick'em, where you can get a little extra sweat during March Madness and win real cash prizes simply by picking player stats in this weekend's games. In pick'em, all you do is predict whether a player will go higher or lower on Underdog's projected totals whether that's points rebounds whatever for example if you're like me and you think zach Eady is going to go nuts in this tournament pick higher on his points projection add up to four more picks and if you hit them all you can win 20 times your money on a single game underdog slick mobile app is easy enough that dummies like jeff goodman have even figured it out so go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the code Field, F-I-E-L-D, and Underdog will match your deposit up to 100 bucks. Now is the time to get in on the madness. So remember, underdogfantasy.com, promo code B. All right, about 15 seconds here before we get back into the live show on Sirius XM. We'll take a look back at the first weekend. We are live on the field of 68 after dark here. Oh, sorry, I'm... not yet, not yet. Oh, not yet. My bad. Sorry, Connor. 10 seconds. That was my bad. That was my bad. You good. On, I thought we were on, good. Let's go, buddy. Oh, no. Count it down. Here you go. <laughs> go on the flag. <laughs> Welcome back. It's the field of 68 after dark live now on Sirius XM channel 84 Brought to you by Bet Rivers, as always. We got Matt McCall in the house. We got Randolph Childress in the house. The postseason vibes are through the roof. Before the show, the three of us were just syncing up on our plans next week in Houston at the Final Four. But, gentlemen, we can't get to the Final Four without the steps along the way. 
Everybody's favorite weekend in sports is the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and we had more than enough action, uh, excitement, tragedy, sadness, happiness, whatever you wanted out of the first weekend, you could get out of the first weekend. So let's just start with some superlatives here around the horn. RC, we'll go to you first. What was the biggest surprise of the first weekend for you? Oh, wow. I mean, obviously you can't get past what, I mean, the upset. I mean, if we're going past the very first round, I mean, the the, the 16-1, I mean, that, that I, you can't get past the the Purdue loss. I mean, that was something that just stands out to my mind. But even the second round, I, I was really impressed with Kansas State uh, win against Kentucky. I thought Oscar Sheebway was just dominant. And they got destroyed on the glass and still found a way to pull that one out. And to to watch that game and see see the the the, the plays that they were making and different guys stepping up and they, they just seem to be a connected group that can overcome anything. And that that game was looked like it was out of you know that, that Kentucky was gonna pull it out and to see the Marquise Noel do what he did, see Ish you know Ishmael come in and hit the go ahead bucket late, uh, and Keontae Johnson come back and then kind of close it for him at the end. I mean, that was just the effort of a game that I thought was probably the best game of the second round. Matt, what's your answer? I got a couple, and I'm going to pivot off my FAU hours for a second <laughs> here. Um, I know I've, I've been on the the band, the FAU bandwagon, and it's not because I worked there for three years or I live 45 minutes from campus. But, um, you know, I, I thought Houston's win over Auburn in the second round in Birmingham after Auburn was winning the game. It was just almost like a business-like approach that, hey, listen, we're better. We know we're better than you, and we're going to find a way to win this game. And that's exactly what they did. And then I've got to give it to Michigan State, too. You know, um, handle business versus USC. They line up and play Marquette. Tom Izzo, everything that that program's gone through this year, everything that the university and that community's gone through this year. Tyson Walker, we've talked about him before in terms of you look at players that transfer up. Sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and th th there's another guard that's super talented. He goes to Northeastern. He has puts up unbelievable numbers, and he jumps to Michigan State. And sometimes it doesn't work. Well, it's worked for him. Uh, and he's grown. He's gotten better in that program. And – I look at those two wins, but really Michigan State has been more impressive for me. Going to piggyback off what you said, you know what's funny about that? He seems to have reverted back to how he played before he got to Michigan State than he did. I thought his first year he was he was more of a scorer, and then it felt like he tried to be more of a, of a traditional point guard. And then now it's like they put him back in. They're like, man, go get me buckets go and get, go play. Like they put him in like wide pin downs too, yeah, right? Yeah, like they, they put him like in a play. wide he's pin score down. Now. He's going back he's to coming score. off and like he's either going to score and then if they jump out and hard hedge the wide pin down, he finds the big on the – like, I mean, he is – it's been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable to see him and yeah. and grow into that role. I mean, that's – and and what well, you got? I mean, Tom Izzo, he's back in the Sweet 16. It's just what he does. Yeah. I don't care what – I don't care do what his him? record is. Yeah, how do you doubt him? So – to me, that's that's my superlative. I think he's one of the most. I I've often said this. He's my favorite. I I, I he's always been. I, I just a huge fan of what he does and how he goes about his business. I think people, people can like like to holler or whatever. But I'm just talking about what he does as a coach. How he he takes all the smoke, wants it no matter. Line them up. We don't care. We are gonna play him. 
if you come here, this is what we're about. And I think it, you, you're seeing that payoff right now with this tournament run that they're in right now. No question. Totally yeah. agree. Any time, any place, anyone. Yeah. Like yeah that's that's it. the mantra right. from right. Tom Izzo. Right. That's it. Uh, so I, I looked this up earlier on the, the tune of Michigan State here. Tom Izzo is the only coach left in this field that has won a national championship. That's just kind of crazy to me. Like stepping back broadly, all these guys from the older era have sort of departed the game, had their feelings about where the direction of the sport is headed. Tom Izzo has loudly had his disagreements with the transfer portal era. And yet here he is once again on the big stage after people criticized him, after I criticized him for an entire offseason about uh, refusing to go bulk his team up with transfers here they are once again with an opportunity. I mean, RC, do you think that's the, that's the best game in the Sweet 16? Kansas State versus Michigan yes. State? Do you think that's the best? It's got to be the best I, one, I right? think that one, and I think Arkansas and UConn. I agree. Yeah. Those are I think two. those two yep. are going to be. Yep. And, and, well, and then you can make the argument the Miami-Houston one. I mean, the Texas-Xavier, like that That Midwest is ridiculous. Yeah. Fellas, what I mean, about the Midwest, Gonzaga you can, UCLA? One of those four can get out of there. Huh? Gonzaga UCLA in Vegas? That's the one I got circled. Yeah, I, I I think the matchups of I think like you said, you can make the argument of the Midwest and the and the West are gonna be brutal. Um you know, it's 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 gonna be some interesting matchups. And to your point a second ago, I has anyone else in the tournament got a natty except Cal and uh and, and Izzo, right? There's only two, right? In the entire Oh, in the whole no, in no, the no, entire no, 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 Drew. And yeah, Drew, Andrew. Scott Drew was there, but yeah, it's, it's kind of this, like this breakaway point for the sport, right? Where so many of the legends of the game have just sort of stepped aside. And uh, yeah, if you take obviously with Bill Self's health concerns too, he's a big name that was missing, but um, it's interesting. That's part of why, like it, it, that thought came to my head when Rick Pitino was at the press conference today. I'm like, I've never really felt like I needed more Rick Pitino in my life, but given where the sport is right now, like it's not a bad thing. He's getting back involved. Um, look, so looking back, one thing I want to ask you about McCall, we kind of glazed over it. Obviously the Purdue result here was shocking. And I just mentioned Bill Self was not on the sideline. How big of an impact that made for Kansas will be hard to say. Obviously it made an impact negatively for the Jayhawks though. We lost two one seeds before the sweet 16. And this is now the third consecutive year that a 15 seed has made a sweet 16. I think the story of this season seemed to be narratively that it's a wide open year. I had my skepticism on if that would truly mean we'd see more upsets than ever or what that means for parity within the sport of college basketball. Now that we are two rounds in to this NCAA tournament, do you feel that there is more parity in the sport than you've seen in a very long time? Well, I think there's parity. That's the biggest shocker to me is, is Princeton being, in the sweet 16, I, I did not see that coming at all, even with the style of play and how they play. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I actually had FAU beating Purdue. The only reason I had them beating Purdue was because I thought they could match up with them with Vlad golden inside. He has the size to match up with Zach Eady, the guard play with FAU, how they play top 50 defense, top 50 offense. I thought they could beat Purdue. Princeton being there is a team that's kind of raises your eyebrows. It's like, hey, look, there's a lot of parity in college basketball. And Arizona's a team, if you go, we go back to November, December being on these shows that everyone was high on. We're like, hey, the number one team in the country, let's talk about them. And um, obviously they had their struggles, but 
man, th- this sweet 16, and I'm just looking at the bracket right now, is I mean, and, and like we were just talking about, just the matchups, you know, Arkansas, UConn, or like, you know, Houston, Miami, two legendary coaches. I mean, this next round of games, Thursday and Friday, is going to be so much fun to watch. And we talked about the first two rounds being so much fun to watch because of all the parody in college basketball. And I think we saw a huge upset with FDU. We saw a huge upset with Princeton, really in both rounds. Maybe it's not as big of an upset in the second round over Missouri. You you can make a case. Missouri had a heck of a year. But outside of that, I, I don't think there's these quote-unquote big, big upsets. I mean, everyone picked, you know, the College of Charleston to to make it, maybe make it to the Sweet 16. San Diego State just handled their business. So, I, I, you know, I, I think the parity is there. I think we're really going to see the parity here coming in the Sweet 16 because, man, these matchups are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. The FAU game reminds me of the Virginia game, of, of the Furman game. Uh, I, I thought they were handed gifts to help them advance. And credit to them. They put themselves in the situation. They made the plays. But I, I thought they were gifts to them by experienced guards that those teams that lost has put the ball in those guys' hands a million times and it turned out their way. Just in a tournament, it didn't happen. But, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, but and in a tournament, you got to get a little lucky. Yeah, you have to. You have to. There's no question. You got to get one of those. You better to get it out of the way and move on early. Um, the only thing I'd say about it is I, I, I don't – I think there's parity, but I also think that a lot of this will change when we get through the COVID year. So we get one more year, and then you won't have 25 years old and 26 years old playing college basketball. That's a great point. I, 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 I you know, it's fun as it, it's fun point. and it's great to watch right now. It is, but there's a downside to that that is hurting college coaches. I mean, hurting high school kids coming in. Yep, and. Um, I, I think that that's something that's going to get back to normal after this coming year. So that's you, you, if that's how you build your program, it's best to do it now because after that, there's it's going to be interesting to see who who makes the changes and schools are making these changes. But and then who's going to be able to adapt and and adjust back? The portal and train changing will always be there, but the super seniors and the super seniors these these twenty. These 24, 25, 26-year-old will be out of college basketball now. It'll be your four for five like it was since the beginning of no GAAs. And that, that, no that'll change things because it ain't but so old you can get. No you can question. get some experience, but you won't get 20, you know, 25 years old. Yeah, the intramural all-stars. That's what I call the super, super, super <laughs> seniors, RC. Uh, hey, it is what it is. The other flip side of the, the parody question to me is that uh, it, maybe if you want to look backwards at the two one seeds that went down, you can talk yourself into those angles. But if you look at the two one seeds that are still playing, I think there's a very large gap between the caliber of basketball that Alabama plays at their ceiling and that Houston plays at their ceiling when all things are clicking between whoever the third best team in the country is in this sport. And I think it's really hard to have a parody conversation and ignore the fact that we do have two quote unquote elite teams. They don't always play elite, but the body of work is there for Alabama over the course of the season, even with all the distractions that happened for that team this year, Houston, 
I mean, I think there's a body of work there as well. They had a tough non-conference. You can say what you want about the American Conference, but when you watch what they did with their back against the wall, down 10 points in Alabama to Auburn, uh, to me, those are the two best teams in the country, and it's hard to make an argument that this is a wide-open year as long as those two teams are still in action. All right, we're going to preview every game from the Sweet 16 for the rest of the show. Uh, We'll put these guys on the shot clock. Four games in the next 15-minute segment. That's coming up next on the Field of 68 After Dark. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're clear. All right, so if you've listened to this show before, you know that Matt McCall is a big fan of the Florida Atlantic Owls. He has predicted that this team would advance to the Sweet 16. And if you want to compete with Matt McCall and pick against him and tell him that his Owls are going to get sent home packing, the good news is that you now have a second crack at filling out your NCAA tournament bracket. Run Your Pool is hosting a Sweet 16 pool just for us here at the Field of 68. There's a $500 prize pool for our Sweet 16 Challenge, so you get to compete against Matt McCall and all the rest of us again. Make sure that you check out Run Your Pool if you need to host any bracket challenge or pool for the remainder of this season and beyond. They have more than 50 games for every sport you can think of, from traditional bracket pools to head-to-head games, pick X games, squares, and the one that I'm currently rocking with right now, the Survivor Games. Still rolling. I have not picked a loser yet. I'm into the second weekend. It feels great. The scoring is customizable. You can tailor your rules to however you like it. So just go to play.runyourpool.com slash field six, eight. That's F I E L D six, eight. And you can get your picks in before the sweet 16 tips off. McCall, I got to ask, how far do you have Florida Atlanta going in your 15 seconds? Uh, I mean, I think the matchup with Tennessee, the only reason I think that they can beat Tennessee is because they were prepared to play against a team like that. They beat North Texas twice. Ooh, okay. There you go. Good teaser. Welcome back to the field of 68 after dark into the third quarter of our sweet 16 preview show for the remainder of this show. We are going to break down every single game. That will happen on Thursday and Friday in the Sweet 16. We've got Randolph Childress here. We've got Matt McCall here. My name is Greg Waddell, and we are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. You can also watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. 
Throw us a like, click subscribe, jump in the comments, ask us any questions. We will stick around after the show on the YouTube channel to answer any questions that we didn't get to in the show. But all right, guys, we've got about 12 minutes here. We've got four games on the left side of the bracket that I want to go through first. So we'll do about a minute each, each game, and we'll keep it moving. The first game, Alabama, San Diego State. McCall will go to you first. Brandon Miller has not shot the ball great. That's about the only negative thing I can say about Alabama through two games in this tournament. (laughs) San Diego State has been stellar defensively, as they always are. Do you give the Aztecs any chance in this game? I don't I, I don't give anybody in the South region a chance to beat them. I know Creighton's been fantastic up to this point in time and played obviously in an unbelievable league, but I, I got I got Alabama getting to Houston. I, I just don't see it for what they've done, the distractions that they've had all year to block that out and put themselves in the position they're in right now. I, I just don't see it. I, I see them in Houston. Um, and I'm not saying that they're not going to be in a close game. But I, I don't see any team in that region beating them to get to Houston. RC? I agree. We can move on, spend time somewhere else. <laughs> I, I, I don't really <laughs> – I can give you my opinions, but let's spend some time on some other games. I do think the San Diego State game will be tough. I don't think it will be easy, but I, I don't think there's anyone in, in that region that, that beats Bama. Okay, smart man. But let's not just completely skate by the other game in this region, though. It is Princeton against Creighton. Uh, I think this is the one little pod you could point at where people could say we don't expect either of these games to be overly competitive. Anytime people say that, it usually turns out that one game at least shocks everyone and either we get an upset or we get a highly competitive game. If it's not going to be San Diego State, Alabama, RC, is it going to be Princeton and Creighton? Can the Tigers... Give the Blue Jays a run for their money. I think they can. Tyshawn Awoma's, you know, and those guys have been playing well. But I will say this. Since Coburn has been back, if you take away the gap when he was hurting, allow him to get in shape for this team, the way they started and the way they finished, I mean, they're scary as hell. And 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 they're not a team that I, I necessarily want to play. I just think that the eventually the matchup with Bama and them, you know, having multiple bodies to throw at guys inside, um, it's just something that'll wear them down. But I, I, I like Creighton to win that one, but I think it'll be tough. I don't think that'll be a blowout. McCall, I'm, I'm, I'm with RC, 100. I think Creighton wins. Um, you know, I think they're battle tested, being in the league that they were in. Credit to Princeton for getting to this point in time in the year. Like I look at back, like in in 2007, you know, Butler made that run, uh, and we played them in the Sweet 16 when I was at Florida as a, as a director of basketball operations, and they were an outstanding team. But it's just like the better team will prevail once you get to this point, and that's that's what I think in this game, and I think that's great. Okay, so chalky picks from our two experts on the show. Uh, for the record, I agree with both of you on this. I have one stat I will just throw out in favor of uh, Creighton rolling in this game. Creighton has not lost this season to a team that they have played that has had a defensive efficiency rating of 99th or lower in the overall team rankings, according to Ken Palm. I know that because I looked it up before Creighton played Baylor because <laughs> Baylor Baylor was 99th, and I wanted to say, have they ever lost? What's their record against teams with bad defenses this year? They haven't lost to any of them. Princeton, 96th ranked defensive team in the country. So just above that cutoff, 
But again, Creighton's been pretty awesome when they've played teams that struggle defensively. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's move to the bottom side of that bracket. So we're going down from the south, now down to the east. McCall, your boys, Florida Atlantic against Tennessee. The one thing that Tennessee has done this tournament has honestly just been physically punking at least the Duke game. I thought Louisiana was up for the cha- the t- excuse me the challenge of what Tennessee was trying to do. The way that game against Duke was officiated really opened the door for me for just a physical mauling of a basketball game. Can Florida Atlantic match that physicality? Here's the thing, and you look at this game, and you look at Tennessee, and they've held both opponents in the 50s in both games in the first and second round. Um, The reason that I think FAU has a chance, and I'm not saying North Texas is the same team as Tennessee, but North Texas plays that style where they want to hold teams in the 50s and they want to muck the game up and they're physical and they're tough. FAU's got to make shots. they got to find a way to make some threes in the game. At times this year, they've been electric from the three-point line. At times this year, they've struggled from behind a three-point line. I think they've got to be able to make threes. When they get stops and they can get out on the break, that's where they're best. And Coach May gives them a lot of freedom, and he gives them freedom to shoot those shots, especially on the break. If those are going in, FAU can win. But FAU cannot win this game if Tennessee is going to keep them in the 50s, even the low 60s. I think FAU has got to get to at least 70 points to win this game. I was going to say it's it's about the pace and threes. I think the yes. threes, they, they got to make double-digit threes. And I mean 12 or so would be my number. Over Definitely over 10 to make threes to beat Tennessee. I think this whole East bracket is going to be dependent upon how it's officiated. I think the next mm-hmm. game we're going to talk about as well, if, it, if, if, if they're allowed to play with this physical brand, and I don't want to make even even a do game. I said this before. I wasn't on, but I said this to someone before. I thought from a matchup standpoint that Tennessee was the team that I didn't know if Duke matched up well against because they were physical. Just it was a bunch of young guys against a bunch of old physical guys, and they mucked the game up and they physically just kind of manhandled them. Whether you can cry foul, whatever that's on you, but. Uh, I think this whole region is going to be determined about how it's officiated. If it's if they're allowed to be tough and physical, then we're going to see Michigan and Tennessee, Michigan State and Tennessee. If the game is free flowing, the ball is moving, you're not allowed to restrict movement and all that kind of stuff, then FAU has a shot, and I think Kansas State moves on. I think that's a great point, RC. I would even take it out a step further. I don't think that anybody in this region can outlast Tennessee. If they get the same the same way that oh, game God, no. was they official, yeah, they're just they're they're too they're too strong they're too yeah. aggressive. Um, uh, so yeah, I think you're right. It would bode well for Michigan State the same way it would for Tennessee. But if you get the Spartans against the Vols in the final, I could not pencil in the Vols uh, for far or I'm sorry, one round further in the tournament quick enough. Uh, at but what? Here, point- but here's the thing. Here's the thing I'll say too about that game. Like you, you look at Tennessee when they lost Zakai Ziegler. Yeah. And you even look at the games that they lost in the SEC, like going back. I mean, they lost to Florida. I mean, they, like they lost some some games that they shouldn't have lost, and it was their shot selection. So to RC's point, if FAU is banging home threes, where is the offense coming from for Tennessee to be able to keep up with FAU? Like that's that. Like now, if this gets into a half court grudge match, Tennessee is going to win the game. 
But if this gets into a pace where it's up and down and FAU is scoring some points because they're playing in transition and they're making those shots in transition, where's the offense coming from for Tennessee? Like that, that, that would be the question too, because they've struggled at times on that end of the floor and their shot selection hasn't always been great. They're an outstanding defensive team. But if this thing becomes a track meet, I think the nod goes to FAU, much like the next game that we're going to talk about as well. Yeah, that's a great segue. Last note for me on Florida Atlantic. They are 17 for 59 from three-point range in this tournament. That's just 28%. This is the 41st best three-point shooting team in the country. They shot 37% from the season. At some point, you would think that does even out a little bit and yeah, they'll they can't they out. can't get mesmerized by the garden it's just it's it's like the old hoosiers thing right? it's, the, it's the same it's the same hoop it's the same size it's the same length court don't get mesmerized by the garden just get in there and lock in and handle your business tunnel vision i love it all right to the other game you alluded to mccall michigan state kansas state uh, i said it earlier in the show tom Izzo more national championships, one of them, than the entire rest of the field that is left in the Sweet 16 combined. I love Izzo in March. I love it even more when I look at the draw he has now. No disrespect to Jerome Tang and his dudes, but this is a first-year head coach against the man they call Mr. March. McCall, what do you make of that? So are you, are you picking – Are you who are you picking right now? That's what I'm just trying it's to say. He's a Big Ten like, guy. Like, of course. Come on, man. Well, like, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, I, yeah, I want to hear you. No, 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 no. I'm going to answer for you. He's yeah, a Big Ten guy. He's, listen to he me. He traded in Michigan, and now oh, he's Michigan up. State. Shut up, RC. Shut up. <laughs> listen, I had this matchup pre-tournament. I had Michigan State, Kansas State in the Sweet 16, Okay. Here's why I am flipping my pick, and RC is right. I'm doing the <laughs> okay. go green, go white bullshit. Here's why, RC, because Michigan State is an elite three-point shooting team. Elite. I'm throwing the E word out there. What? They have been horrible, horrible from three in this tournament, and yet they're still here. Their season is not ending without a game where they shoot like 55% from three on 30 attempts. I don't know when that game's going to be, but I know they're not losing in this tournament shooting two for 16 like they did against Marquette again against Kansas State. Not going to happen. All right, so everyone wants to talk about New York guards, okay? Marquise Noel, New York guard. Love him. Outstanding. Tyson Walker is a New York guard, too. Don't sleep on him being a New York guard. Uh, I just think how Kansas State plays – I'm I'm not trying to bring this up again, but I think it's an awesome story. I've talked about this before on the field of 68, just in terms of Keontae Johnson and where he's come from to be at this point uh, in his career after everything that he's gone through. I like the style of play from Kansas state. I like Kansas state to advance in this game. I do, but I want to see which New York guard doesn't get caught up in the glitz and the glamour of being in the garden and locks in and plays. One of them is going to rise to the occasion. So let's see who, which one of it is. I, I, again, I think, like we said about both games, they're going to be determined by how it's officiated in the pace of the game. I think if the game goes up, if the game's in the 70s, I I, I, I like Kansas State. If the game is, is mucky and it's in the 50s and 60s, I, I, I think Michigan, I think the Spartans will get it. But I, I like what I see from from Kansas State. I think they've been they've shown us who they are. They've been that team all year long. Um, 
I'm leaning toward toward Kansas State. So I'll tell you what terrifies me for Michigan State, even though I just told you I'm picking the Spartans in this game. <laughs> they have they have no one who can guard Keontae Johnson at all. I, I love like, the loyalty, by the way. I love it. But McCall, I have complicated loyalties. Okay, RC's gotten to know me a little bit. I have complicated loyalties. I'm a Big Ten guy. (laughs) I've got different flags I'll raise at different times. Uh, Never historically been a huge Tom Izzo guy, that's to say the least. But I respect the hell out of the man. And I just look at this draw, man. Like Andy Enfield, Shaka Smart, first year head coach Rick Barnes. That's his draw to the Final Four, and I'm supposed to be surprised Tom Izzo's going to make a Final Four. Like, I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, guys, but uh, like I said, Keontae Johnson is the problem here. Uh, like Marquise Noel's awesome. He was the story of the Kentucky game. He could certainly go for 30 in Madison Square Garden. I wouldn't be surprised. With that said, we just saw what Michigan State's three-headed guard monster did to Tyler Kolick. That man was in a straitjacket for 40 minutes when he wasn't getting different, foul troubles. Animal. It is a different animal, but they got dudes they can throw at Noel is my point. Like Tyson Walker's going to spend a few minutes on him. Then you're going to get Jay Nakins for 10 minutes. Then you might get AJ Hogarth for five minutes. And whoever you get on you is going to be full go. That's a luxury Michigan State has. Not a lot of teams have. The problem is they have, like, is Joey Hauser going to guard Keontae Johnson? That's not going to happen, right? So we'll see. It's a, a fascinating matchup. So, Greg, do you, do you have Michigan State in the Final Four? Uh, at this point, I do. If I'm re with the run your pool, get to redo my bracket, McCall. Let's go. <laughs> Put them right there, my friend. And then uh, I think Let's I said go. this. I said this privately to someone, but if they get Alabama in the Final Four, Alabama minus twenty nine and a half alternate line will be played, <laughs> gentlemen. That is what it is. I'm sorry. All right, coming up on the show, we're gonna move to the right side of the bracket. We'll do the previews for the Midwest and the West. That's next on the field of sixty eight after dark. You're clear. RC, sometimes I just get so tired of trying to prove to you that I'm not just the Big Ten guy around here. You know that? Have I ever told you that? Well, RC, here's the thing. I have an answer now to my problems. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns my opinions into facts. I get to store all of my predictions, all of my hot takes in my own vault now and forevermore. You can challenge your friends. You can keep track of the results, and you can prove that you are, in fact, the smartest person in your social circles. Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools in the next three months. So if you download the app, sign up for your three-month trial, you can store your predictions now and forever. That's Vaulted, V-L-T-E-D, pronounced Vaulted. You think I'm crazy, RC, don't you, man? That was a great job by you on that ad. I I don't think you're crazy. I just think you, you know, you're a little biased towards your Big Ten. That's all. Well, but crazy. Somebody's got to try, right? Somebody's got to try. But but deep down in your heart, you know, you you you're cheering your fan, but deep down in your heart, you know that's 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 what I love about you. You're going you to fall down your sword, man. I, I respect it. I, I Do I wish deep down that I could be like John Fanta and have a great basketball conference to try and be the heartbeat of? I absolutely uh, would. I absolutely yeah. would. But I'm, I'm stuck seconds. with the Schmedium 10, man. It is what it is. <laughs> One of these days, man. One of these days we'll be back on top of the sport. I swear. There you go. It is the field of 68 after dark. 
Sweet 16 preview edition. We just broke down the South region, the East region. We're moving to the Midwest and the West for the final portion of the show. Matt McCall, Randolph Childress. My name is Greg Waddell. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. You can watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel as well. Stick around after the show. We will answer questions in the afters portion uh, exclusively on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. Guys, let's move. We'll go straight to the Midwest where we have Houston and Miami in the first matchup. We all saw what Houston did in the second half against Auburn. There are health questions with the Cougars right now. Jamal Shedd, Marcus Sasser. One thing I do not question, RC, the toughness of this Miami Hurricanes team. What do you make of this? I they're going to show up and they're going to play. I mean, that, that, let's just I don't I don't I don't even listen to the injury report or any of that anymore. I, they, they're going to. I thought Marcus Sasser was done for the second round. And then he just comes out and 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 like I said, they they're they're just as tough as any team in the league. But I I like this Miami team, and they 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 come at you in waves. And I think there's more time for no Chad O'Meara to get healthy, and it's just not going to be an easy game because they got multiple guys that can attack you off the bounce and do so many different things. I think that's what makes this team so dangerous. So, I, I you know Houston had I had concerns about Houston coming in. And because um, I didn't think they were playing well, even that conference tournament. And Miami's a team that I just feel like they're they're different. That Miami forces you to score, no matter what you do. You got to be prepared to score. Like Miami's going to put up damn near eighty points, and I, there's not, and, and that's just the pace they're going to play at. They got so many weight guards that can attack you. So now I do think Houston can pound the hell out of them on the glass, and I think Houston maybe wins a close one. But that just depends if if. Sasser and, and Shad are compromised a little. They'll get it. They'll they'll get exposed a little bit this game because the guard play of Miami is elite. McCall, yeah, I, I mean, I think you look at it too. The, the, the matchup with Sasser and Wong. I mean, you're talking about two of the best guards in the country. Um, but I go back even to the first round. Miami scores a lot of points, and they only scored 63 versus Drake. And you look at Houston's defensive numbers throughout the course of the season, I think they held teams to 56 points per game. Miami's got to score, and I know I'm like stating the obvious, but in order for Miami to advance in this game, they've got to score. Now they bounce back and score 85 versus Indiana. So and some of that was it was Wong. He was god awful game. He was not great. He Ah. was not great. So you know, I, I just think, again, we're talking about kind of conflicting styles, you know, in terms of the other games. I mean, this is the same thing. If Houston buckles down and gets stops like they've done all year, you know, they held Auburn to 64 points, Northern Kentucky to 52. Their defense all year has been outstanding. And I just kind of go back to that first round game for Miami. They bounced back in the second round, scoring so many points against Indiana, but Man, I just think Houston's defense has been too good this year. I don't see them losing this game to Miami. I don't. Yeah, the one thing that did give me hope for Miami in this matchup was just I thought the way they made that late run against Indiana had nothing to do with shot making. And I don't mean like that's a bad thing that Miami has elite shot makers. It was just a we are killing you on the glass. And that's hard to do, in my opinion, on Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. Like those two guys have held their own physically imposing at times in the Big Ten. 
say what you want about the Big Ten, but Miami's not the team I expected that to happen with. They had 20 offensive rebounds. Houston is a team right. that I expect that to happen with. So if there's anyone who can go toe-to-toe with it, uh, maybe it gives me hope this is a more competitive game, but with the way Houston looked in that second half, I think you guys are right. I'd be surprised if the Cougars do not emerge victorious. Let's go down in the Midwest to Xavier against Texas. Uh, fascinating matchup here, right? Suli Boom, Marcus Carr. Dylan DeSue has been the story for Texas, though, over the last couple of weeks, guys. I mean, he was the best player in that win against Penn State for the Longhorns. McCall, who do you like here and why? I'm on the Texas bandwagon just because I think a lot of times when you look at teams and they go on a run and, and, and teams that have a lot of success, you need something to bond your group together. And that's what this group has done. They've bonded together around the whole Chris Beard thing, and they've bonded together around Rondi Terry and have gone on a run. And they have a common bond. And that's sometimes like coaches throw out the term culture and this, that, man, sometimes you need something drastic to happen in order to do something special. And that's why I've been high on Texas going into this tournament. You kind of look at them, the big 12, I don't know. Can they do it? Can they not do it? And then they do it. Right. And they're still playing and they have talent and they have Marcus Carr. Like I just, I, I like Texas in the game. You look at the matchup. Okay. Xavier six and five. Versus top 25 opponents, Texas 9-6. and six. Strength of schedule for Texas is ninth in the country. Xavier scores a lot of points. Where's the give there? But I just think – I think this is a remarkable story that Texas has, has been on really all year. And those kids have come together, and they're, they're doing something, and they're, try, they're out there to, and have something to prove. And that's – I don't think it stops here versus Xavier. That's just my opinion. R.C.? I like both teams offensively. I think Texas is the better defensive team. And, you know, you just made a comment about Dylan DeSue. I, I, Tim Allen hasn't been healthy. He didn't even play in the in the conference tournament. And this team is the second best team in the regular season in the best conference. And then one that has anyone. I just, I, they're, they're a tough, really good team. Both sides of the ball. I like Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Xavier's defense can only hold up for so long is my fear. And I thought they were pretty good against Pitt, but I also thought that was a Pitt team that felt a little in over their heels, uh, happy to be their type vibes for a team that had already won two games in that tournament. Uh, I don't know. Texas is tough, man. The the way they closed that game against Penn State after Penn State made the comeback was some championship-level stuff. They just got so many different ways they can beat you. I think you guys are on the right side of that one as well. We've got uh, about two and a half minutes left here, so we'll fly through the, these final two, and then if we want to go more in-depth, we can do it in the afters. Uh, we've got Arkansas and UConn. UConn suddenly kind of looking like a favorite in this region, as crazy as that might sound, but the metrics love them. RC, who do you like here? I'm terrified of this West bracket. If I'm gambling, I want no part of this bracket. I'm just being, <laughs> let me put that out there. I don't want to put no money into this bracket. Not in Bet Rivers. No way. No, I, I'm no done way. With I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I don't know who to pick. UConn always concerned me because of their, their point guard play. We talked about it. I think everybody's talking about how great they play, but no disrespect, they played Iona and St. Mary's. So I'm not, I'm not on the, oh, they, they're playing so great out of their mind. They're the most impressive team. I'm not on that, but Arkansas, some really good wins there. 
uh, Illinois and, and Kansas. Uh, if, if I had to bet, which we're saying, I'm going to go Arkansas and I'm going to go UCLA. Wow. McCall? Yeah, I, I think Coach Hurley has played that clip for his team of Eric Musselman taking his shirt off and swinging it around his head and jumping on his like he's. I'm not going against UConn in that game. I, I think UConn's going to be fired up to play that game. We we had UConn as you know the number one team in the country if we go back right after the PK80 or whatever it was. So um, I like UConn in that game, and I just I like the way that Gonzaga is just kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Everyone kind of counted them out. They still have Drew Timmy. They still I'm with have you. I, few. I, I I just picked because I, I had no choice. Man. I know. I, 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 I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> picking against the Zags. I, I like the Zags to get to the Final Four. Ooh. And, and everyone talked about. I remember being on the field of '68 early and was like is Mark Few going to get over the hump? And I'm like, well, what the heck does that mean? What, what does it mean get over the hump? Does it mean win a national championship? I'm not saying he's winning a national championship, but, man, I'm not counting those guys out. It does sort of feel like a year where Gonzaga might come out of nowhere. It's not the year you expect the Zags, right, after the way the last five years have gone, and now this is the one that Few gets his title. Uh, would just point out quickly, to your point, RC, UConn was trailing St. Mary's when Dukas went out, by the way. That was a big deal. And then they blew him out in the second half. Uh, we are going to head to the afters portion of our show. Join us there. You can throw some questions at these guys. For Randolph Childers, for Matt McCall, I'm Greg Waddell. Enjoy the Sweet 16, and we'll see you tomorrow night on After Dark. You're clear. Gentlemen, good show. Let's welcome producer Trevor in here now. Uh, I hope that Trevor has kept his eye on the YouTube chat for us. Trevor, what's going on? I'm always keeping an eye. They're a little surly as usual, but that's all right. Uh, we got a wide variety of questions here. Um, which matchup would hypothetically be tougher for UConn if they advanced, Gonzaga or UCLA? I think UCLA. I think UCLA, only because I think Tiger Campbell. I think a really good point guard would give them trouble. I, I agree. I agree. I totally agree with, with RC on that point, just in terms of the point guard play. So I'm in line with him on that one. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. Simple as that. Keep it moving. Uh, someone must have missed you the other night, Greg, because someone asked, what are Greg's thoughts on Purdue losing after his Purdue comments <laughs> the last few months? I'll, I'll be quick. I'll I'll just reiterate the the. Was that when you here. dropped the f bomb? Was that when you did that? What no f bomb. No f bomb. No, but I'm saying, what was the clip that was on Twitter the other day of you dropping? Oh, the oh yes, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Well, that, was that, that was actually was that, that a was Michigan loss. No, that was actually <laughs> acting, McCall. Believe it or not, I uh, I would like to be nominated for some acting awards. So you should be me. after that. That was fantastic. Yeah, little. Uh, that was when people realized that my national champion pick this year was Arizona. So uh, not great. And that was before they even lost. That was me making a joke that I picked Arizona, even though I shouldn't. Uh, so, yeah, the, take that for what it's worth. Uh, here's my quick Purdue thoughts. You can see the full video. I'm sure we clipped it on the channel somewhere if you want to. I feel really horrible for Matt Painter. I think Matt Painter is a fantastic coach. Uh, I, I think everything he does, X's and O's wise, is elite level. I think he's a great guy. I think the program he's built, he's built the right way. I have no question that Matt Painter will continue to be extremely successful and ultimately win at the highest level at Purdue. With that said, I think this three-year run where they've lost to a 13 seed with a team that had Travion Williams, Zach Eady, and Jaden Ivey, 
and then lost to a 15 seed with Travion Williams, Zach Eady, and Jaden Ivey, and then lost to a 16 seed against the smallest team in NCAA tournament history with National Player of the Year, Zach Eady, is an unprecedented three-year run of disaster in the NCAA tournament. And the NCAA tournament is a fickle monster. It just is. Like, it, great teams, great coaches lose games they shouldn't in the NCAA tournament all the time. If you're losing those games, that means you are in a healthy program that has put yourself in a spot where you might have to lose those games every now and then. Just that run, like, I I don't know that Matt Painter is going to have teams as talented as those three teams were, again, for a very long time. And I think looking back on it, that's going to be a big moment of regret. If Zach Eady departs and doesn't come back next year, they're going to be kicking themselves for that one for a long time. I just think those styles of playing, when you have the dominant bigs, like think about who's left in these 16 teams. Who has a – Timmy maybe would be the guy has a has a dominant big. It was, is it, would you say anybody else outside of him? And Count the Yukon bigs, like Sonogo, Klingon. Sonogo, yeah, you got to throw him Yeah, in no, no, and, and not, not dominant in the sense I think they probably defensively though, they're not drop coverage guys, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. They they get after you. They're more hedge, you know, recover. They're they're better defensively, yeah, than some of the bigs we've talked about. You know, where you got these big guys kind of just want to keep them in drop coverage because you're trying to protect them. I think that's difficult to do in the NCAA tournament. You need somebody. They have to have some type of defensive presence. Um, I think sometimes teams are just putting them in drop coverage, trying to hide them. And you just can't sit in the lane and just, you know, unless you're an elite shot blocker, I think it's just d- tough in the tournament because you play against a team and they like they like they faced and Zach Eady was having to switch out and guard guards, six three guys at the three point line, something he hasn't done all year. And that's what you get in the first round of a tournament. It's just a recipe yeah. for disaster when you play teams like that. Yeah, and I think this too, RC, and, and, and Billy used to always say this, like especially when you get to the tournament, it, it, it's all about advancing so you've got to be willing to make adjustments and coming out of an under eight timeout throwing out a one three one or coming out of an under four you know changing to a zone to keep the other team off balance that's the only thing and i'm I'm not matt painter's won a hell of a lot more games than i have as a head coach i'm not trying to criticize him but when you get to that point you got to find a way to win those games and be willing to change coming out of a timeout like right like like but we, what you're saying we went is on, spot like, the, on a lot of teams don't do it and they, don't they do stick it. to and their identity it, and that's a concern that i have we're not and when you say it like you're saying you have to always preference it and we're not being critical like you're not being right. critical of matt painter he's elite it's it's one of the things that concerns me with uconn defensively to be quite honest i think because i know what they're getting they're gonna hedge they're hard hedging they know what they're gonna do they're not changing anything else other than that. Well, it's like FAU too, because FAU the other night versus FDU, they were in the same predicament. Like they 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 stayed man to man, they kept their bigs Vlad Golden and Rosado out there, and they kept switching. It's kind of like you know you're sitting like, damn it, man, throw 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 out a zone, change something to keep this team. And like in close games, how are you going to keep the opposing team off balance, especially right. coming out of timeouts? And I think it's you've like got to be. It's like playing Arkansas. That's right. I, I, if outside of Devonte Davis, I'm not guarding anybody outside the paint. Yeah, I don't care if we we're a man to man team. We're gonna be like you guard him outside. The other guys, the first, the first two threes are on me. 
Yep, that's right. If anybody else makes them, they're on me. And it's I, I don't I, I just look at things like that and I'm like, why are you out here pressuring these guys? They if you're gonna line up athlete for athlete, you're not beating them. Yep. Yeah. And uh just to tie a bow on the Purdue conversation for me. I don't want the criticisms. I know I just went on a rant about it. I don't want the criticisms to be on Matt Painter for this job. I think the accurate criticism of this Purdue season should be more about the real flaws that this team had all along that came back to bite them in this matchup. This team was never a good shooting team this season, despite how much we wanted them to be or said these guys look like shooters. Like they just weren't, they, they did not shoot well. Fletcher lawyer was their best shooter. He shot 32% from the season. Like Mason Gillis was terrified. He had to be on the floor down the stretch of that game. They just left him wide open. He wouldn't shoot the ball. It's the guy who made seven threes in a game against Penn state two months ago. Uh, and then you combine that with a freshman backcourt that, you know, I don't want to just say freshman backcourts. You have to write them off in the NCAA tournament, but we've seen Braden Smith throw the ball out of bounds under pressure with three minutes left in a game when big 10 teams threw janky presses at them. Now you get a team that's going to press you 40 minutes. Like this was bound to happen at some point. I just don't think people expected it to be in the first round. I think uh, all three of us, if I'm not mistaken, picked Purdue to lose in the second round in our bracket, right? Whether it was Memphis or Florida Atlantic. So I, I don't think any of us are that surprised. Uh, just surprised it happened to the 16 seed. All right, Trevor, what else we got? All right. We're going to get out of here on this one. We got to bring it up. In a one-on-one -on -one cage match, who wins, Dave Portnoy or Jeff Goodman? Yeah, Jeff. Let's go. Oh, come on. All right, considering I've never seen Dave Portnoy, I, I, I couldn't pick him out of a, of a lineup. I got to go with Jeff on this, but I love the Twitter beef those guys had going. That was today. awesome. That was, that was hilarious absolutely today. outstanding. So... Uh, and one Jeff was just moron, sticking one up, was a moron up and his, one was a dumbass. I think dumbass, it was yeah. today. And yeah. Jeff just sticking up for his man Cooley, like that was <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that oh was man. Awesome. Hey, I but think we ought to do something. Here's the, the only four, thing, man. We got to get them together as the final four. We got to do it. It has to happen. Here's the only thing that I I think sometimes fans don't understand, right? Like, there's so much more that goes into this. Than like Cooley just leaving Providence because he's always like George. Like there's so there's so many more factors. There's your family's involved. He's been at a place. He's like, and that's why like I, I I'm I'm concerned for the next guy going to Providence because those fans are so upset, and that guy's got to come in there, and they're gonna expect them to go on a run. And if he does, whoever it may be. Man, they'll anoint him, but it, Matt, it's just there's so much that goes into this that you just sometimes you don't understand. The crappy part is, are they going to give him time? That's that's the biggest, you thing. know, because now you got coaches getting fired in two years, two three years. Doesn't like matter. They're firing him. They're firing guys in two years now. And because and if you the take guy that goes there success, doesn't have success in two years, they they will be on top of him because yeah. of what Cooley did. Right. Like, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> like, that's yep. like the old saying goes. But I know we got to get those two guys. I want to be there. I don't know if it's on a golf course. I don't know if it's what nah, we're getting. You got to be too guys. quiet on the golf course. This got to be at a bar. <laughs> few few beers, few few drinks. Yeah. 
These two, I mean, neither one of them are smoke duckers. I L, L, L Presidente, uh, isn't he a high noon guy? Isn't he like doing high noon ads? He's a high noon guy. Yeah, okay, he was like Last in Publix down here in South Florida pr- promoting high noon. So maybe we get a couple high noons in him and see what happens. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Anytime uh, Jeff Goodman is tweeting the words dumbass before 6 p.m. Eastern, I'm in favor of whatever caused that for the record. So, uh, yeah, fun, <laughs> fun stuff today. And my favorite part was that John Fanta was just eloquently thrown into the middle of this. God yeah. bless John Fanta's I soul. Think he, I think he tweeted, I love you, too. Is that there was like, I love you. I didn't see that. There was like there was like a tweet back like, I love you, too. Yeah, he's just yeah, the nicest like person that. on oh, earth. Stick with somebody somebody went at John? Well, no, Por- Portnoy's tried to hire away Fanta for, for a couple years now. Oh, I knew that. I knew that. So he, uh, Portnoy was throwing Fanta in the middle of this with uh, <laughs> like Fanta's defense of Cooley today. Or I don't even know if that I'd call it a defense, but he disagreed with Fanta's point that uh, that Cooley was sick of going out to dinner and needing everybody in the restaurant to come talk to him, right? Maybe he just wanted to get away from that. And Portnoy pushed back on that. Fanta is at the Barstool offices today in the middle of Jeff Goodman and Dave Portnoy so going awesome. at it. Just just classic. God so awesome. bless John Fanta, the, so awesome. the beautiful man, human being. John ca- Fanta catching strays. Yeah, man. Tough. Tough look for our boy Fanta, but uh, he'll bounce back. He's as he good. always does. He's good. As he always does. He'll be at another press conference tomorrow. Yeah, right, right. He's got too much work to do. Shout out John Fanta, the lovely He'll be John. at a press conference tomorrow. For sure. All right, let's do our toast and get out of here, boys. How about this? Let's do a, a toast looking forward. Give me a toast to somebody in the Sweet 16, whether it's someone you think will win, will excel, someone you're looking forward to watching. Give me a toast to someone for this upcoming weekend. I'm cheering for two stories, I'd say. One would be I would love for someone with Keontae Johnson's story to win a natty. Oh, I would love for Terry at Texas to win as the interim head coach, which is ridiculous. But I, that's my toast. Cheers. I'm I'll with that. To that. Yeah, remove the interim, RC. I've been with you on that for a while now, but keep yelling it, my friend. I'm gonna McCall, go. You got? I'm I'm gonna go to my man Tyson Walker, New York guard, Ooh. Michigan State. Uh, hoping they can get to the Final Four. Rooting for him. His story goes to Northeastern, under recruited. Should have recruited him at UMass. Just calling it like it is. Should have <laughs> um, taken him there. But I, I'm rooting for him and the and the Sparty. Love it. Sparties. Cheers. Uh, all right, I I'm going in the same realm as that, but uh, a different person. I'm cheersing to Tom Izzo, who I have been a loud critic of over the years, but Tom had two quotes in the last month that I think are really resonating and are powerful now, given the run that is happening. First of all, when uh when the tragedy at Michigan State happened, Tom spoke beautifully at the vigil a couple nights after, and uh, he said. The only thing that he felt he could control and do for the community was to win. And he's now done it. And if there's ever been a time for him to do that, uh, this community thanks him for it. Number one. And number two, he said, uh, I don't know how long he's been saying this, but I heard this in between their round of 64 game and their round of 32 game. He's told his players, if you get me to Saturday, I'll get you to the next Thursday. And that's one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. Uh, and I don't doubt him in one 
sense of that word. So, Tom, congrats. I'm looking forward to watching you, my friend. You're the best. All right, boys. Uh, thank you so much to anybody who stuck around, watched the show. We appreciate it. It's a loaded week here with the NCAA tournament still ongoing. We will be back on the field of 68 after dark tomorrow night. And then after all of the games, every single night leading up to next week, the three of us will all be in Houston as well. So stay tuned for the field of 68 after dark's live shows from the final four for Randolph Childress, for Matt McCall. My name is Greg Waddell. See you tomorrow night.